Father, with this morning, once again, we come to you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We have come to the end of the sixth month, Lord. You brought us through. Only you could have brought us through, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. This morning, once again, we commit ourselves, our churches, our households, everyone, saved, unsaved, we bring them to you, Lord. Extend your hand of mercy. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Father. What you couldn't do according to your purpose in the first half, I pray you will be able to do in the second half of this year, O oh God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Be with us as we look into your word and pray through us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We looked at Revelation 10 and 11 last week, and uh, we'll go to 12, and, but we look at 10 and 11, and then we go to 11, uh, 12 and 13. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, what you see right in a book. Send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. That's where we, 10 and 11, where, where we had looked last week. And uh, if you look at verse 10, so one more thing, and then we'll go to 12 and 13. The Bible says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Something which God is trying to tell us is that try to be in the spirit that is when you will have clarity of what he speaks. Otherwise, we will not, we will try to use our, rack our brains to interpret what he's trying to see. But even for John to get the entire book of Revelation, he had to be in the spirit. And then he's told, write what you see. Okay. Uh, what you See, the issue with the book of Revelation, like as we saw, the issue with the book of Revelation is we come, when we read to the book of Revelation, with so many preconceived or presuppositions, as they call. We hear pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, dispensational, all kind of things. And with that, we come to the book of Revelation. And that's our major issue. We forget verse 1, the key of the whole Bible, and especially, uh, specifically of this book, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible in itself is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And the book of Revelation is a revelation, the final revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay. The issue is... The problem is not with the book. The problem is with us, the fallen man. Okay, however much sanctified we are, the old nature still exists. And the problem is the old man is very self-centered. 
So when he reads the Bible, he's looking for himself. How does it affect me? He's not looking for Jesus. That's why we all go wrong in our interpretation of the Bible. It's the only way we'll get to know the Bible is we're looking for Jesus. Because the Bible is a revelation of Jesus Christ. God has done through his son. Heavens is a revelation of Father. Second realm is a revelation of the devil. The earth is the revelation of Jesus Christ through whom he did everything. And if we are not looking for Jesus, it doesn't matter how scholarly we are. We'll still miss what God is trying to tell us. And that's our issue. That's why people, uh, once they read the first verse, they are not interested. Because the old man is there. Even when we read the Bible, even when we do our daily meditation, we are always looking to see... What is there in, in for me? Is there a new promise? Is something? It's always me-centered and not Christ-centered. Okay. And therefore, you know, we cease to worship. We cease to worship. You know, we cease to worship and worship becomes very, you know, what I say, we, we get very complacent about it without realizing that's what God is trying to make us into worshippers worthy of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So it's a revelation of Jesus Christ or the word apocalypse. It's not death and destruction. It just means a disclosure, uncovering, unraveling or revelation of Jesus Christ. Like I said, then comes the the curiosity. Okay. Yes, about things which must take shortly place, but it is a revelation of Jesus Christ, not primarily about things that is going to take place. So you will see all these people on the, on the internet or on the TV, you will see them on YouTube, you will see it's more like a crystal ball. Where is Russia in prophecy? It is there. Where is US in the prophecy? Where is India in prophecy? Where is China in the prophecy? You know, and everybody goes wrong because they are not looking at where Christ is in prophecy. Okay? Yeah. Therefore, we are coming now to the revelation where he turns and sees the voice that spoke. First he heard the voice and now he sees. Okay, he sees. And it is a vision where he sees in verse um, 12. I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Okay, like this is a book full of visuals. To see or see is used around 52 times in the book of Revelation, unlike any other book. And the problem is, the the vision of the book of Revelation 22 chapter is full of symbols, full of symbols. And when it is full of symbols, we have to be very careful that we don't take it literally. Everything literally be very, very careful. We do not take it literally because the symbols always represent something else, sometimes something else altogether. It's pointing toward the same thing what happened when Jesus walked on earth and the gospel of John differs from the other gospel where he talks about the eight miracles where signs pointing to something else and they miss the signs completely. You could have the wedding of Kana and they missed the whole sign. Each of the miracles were a science, but they missed the science. So in the same way, this is full of symbols. 
Okay. Like in Matthew 13, Jesus would talk about the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. But it's just a symbol which will grow up and fill the earth. But the kingdom of God is not literally a mustard seed. It is not literally a mustard seed. So in the same way, it is about events that will soon take place. But again, when it comes to time, it is God speaking. He's not talking about our time. He's talking about how he sees time. Okay. That's why 2,000 years can be just like two days. If it is our time, then shortly, I mean, okay, already six months are over. Maybe he's going to come in July. But that's not what he's talking about. That's why I said if we focus on self, which is automatically what we are, then we miss the book of Revelation because it is about Jesus Christ. And even when it talks about time, it has to be his time, not the way we see time. So the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel is full of symbols. And symbols cannot be taken literally. So wherever we can, we have to use scripture to interpret the symbols in the scripture. And if it is not there, we just don't become very dogmatic about it. In verse 12, having I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. If you come to verse 16, it says, verse 16, it says, He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. If you come to words, oh, I mean, so it is explained in verse 20. Thank you, Lord. What is all this, right? Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden stamps. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lamp stands you saw are the seven churches. Okay. Now, here in this case, the symbol is explained. Where it is not explained, don't use your imagination. Okay. So, if in verse 16, you hear about Jesus, he had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged man. In verse 12 or verse 13, we see him as the son of man. Oh, lamb, one like the son of man. Right? In chapter 5, verse 6, I saw four living. And then there stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Another portion is called the Lion of Judah. So the simple question is what is he? Is he a lamb that is slain? Is he a lion or is he a man? Son of man. Does he have a sword in his mouth or does he have a tongue? Okay. The answer is in meekness he is like a lamb. In fierceness and power he is like a lion. Okay. He is a lamb having seven horns and seven eyes. In seven horns, horn in the Bible represents power or authority. He has all power and authority. In seven eyes means he sees with complete clarity. Clarity. Like when Peter was uh, uh, singing that song, 
the Bible says, you know that song, it says, in his presence there is no shadow. Do you know that even when the sun is exactly above your head, there is a shadow? There's still a shadow. If you were to be lifted up, the shadow will be below. But when God's light, there is no shadow. It comes from all directions. Completely. That's what you're talking about. His eyes are seven. Okay, it talks about complete, total clarity he sees. Okay? And when it comes to his judgment, slaying his enemies, he will slay with a word of his mouth. Okay, he will slay. I mean, it's basically that's what kings do. The kings will just say, bind him, that's it. He's bound. It's a done deal, he's bound. Okay, so that's what he does. He slays his enemies with a word of his mouth. What these symbols do is primarily communicate, it's because of the nature of truth. Truth is so deep, sometimes you, you, it's not enough to have words to communicate truth. So symbols are used to communicate truth and you can see it from so many dimensions and still never exhaust it. So we are bound by scripture and how we interpret scripture. Okay, so we'll see through the book of Revelation all kind of symbols and images, harlots and bees and false prophets and dragons and 24 elders, new creation where there is no sun, moon or no sea. Okay, all these things we will see. Numbers also matter, right? If you go back, chapter uh, 1. And verse uh, 12 and 13, right? We're looking 12 and 13. Seven gold stands, lamp stands, seven. We see seven. Please understand number seven is in the Bible is here. Just shut the door, okay? It's connected with perfection or completion. Number seven is connected with perfection or completion. So in the book of Revelation, Christ writes to seven churches. Meaning, it is complete. It is complete. Okay? It is complete. Okay? It is complete. It is complete. Meaning, what he's speaking to the seven churches, you get the entire compliments and the indictments. If we get it, it is complete. It is complete. Meaning, from his letters to the seven churches, any church can get its life in order. It is complete. It doesn't have to add eight church. If you notice, Paul also wrote only seven epistles to the churches. Seven specific churches. The book of Romans and Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Colossae, Philippians and Thessalonians. Only seven. Okay, so seven. Though he has written other letters, it is not there. It's not, it's, it's lost because seven is a number. It's a number which talks about completion. So there are numbers in the book of Revelation, so we understand what this. Like there is the number four. The number four is basically geographical completion. If you go to Revelation chapter seven and verse one. Seven one. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Okay, and that's how we get our word news, which means north, east, west, and south, the four corners. So the number four is basically talking about four geographical completion. Okay, we see in uh, Revelation chapter one, verse four and five, seven spirits. 
Okay, seven spirits. The seven spirits who are before the throne. We look at we looked at three, four, five, and we saw that it is being written, said by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So seven spirits does not make the Trinity into nine beings. Okay. So the seventh spirit is not talking about, it's talking about perfection or completion. Because you know why we need to get this? Because the book of Revelation is full of numbers, full of symbols and full of numbers. Okay, full of numbers. Number 10 will also talk about completion in time. The church of Smyrna is supposed to or is asked to go through persecution trial for 10 days. Okay. The number 12 is the totality of God's people in the Old Covenant. The number 24 is the totality of God's people, both Jews and Gentiles. That's why you have 24 elders while you have 12 tribes. So 12 is in the Old Covenant, totality of God's people in the Old Covenant, 24 in the New Covenant because Gentiles also come. If 7 is the number of completion or perfection, then six is below perfection. It's the number of man. And the perfect man, carnal man, is six, six, six. In that case, God's number should be seven, seven, seven. Next time you buy a vehicle, pay extra money and get that number. If you have noticed, the Muslims all have six, six, six. Have you noticed it? They, they go for six, 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 six. And if you look at Christians, you will see, they will try to grab the sevens. So thousand years means ten into ten into ten. Okay. One forty four thousand you will see is twelve into twelve into thousand. Is it symbolic? Or you want to go an actual number? So let us stay away from actual numbers and try to look at the symbols. Because if you want to look at actual numbers, you'll get scared. Okay. So we we know that's right. It's symbols. So don't go with actual numbers because if you take it literally, unless it is literal, we will run into trouble. So the first thing he sees in verse 12 is he sees seven golden lampstands. In the old covenant, you did not have seven individual gold stamp. You had one with seven branches. Here you see Different seven individual lampstands. Okay, so the church is not one monolithic body. It is not one monolithic body. It is individual, localized, local churches. So one church is not like the other church. Though Christ is the head and there are common features, it is not the same. Okay, so the old covenant lamp and the new covenant changes. We know it is talking about the churches because we already saw in Revelation 1 and 20. Okay, now we need to understand churches or lampstand, the purpose of the lampstand is to show light. To show light. The lamp in itself does not have light. Church in itself does not have light. Does not have light. Okay? It needs two ingredients. Primarily, it needs oil and fire for the light to come. Okay? So, basically it is saying, churches are not truth. They carry the truth. They are vessels of the truth. The church is one. First, 1 John chapter 1 
5 to 8 and 1 Timothy 2.15 to get the concert about the lampstand and light. Who believes that Jesus is uh, chapter 1, chapter 1, 1 John 1, 5 to 8. This is a message we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So the light is coming from Jesus who is in the midst. He is the light, not the church. If Jesus is not in a church, the church has no light. Understand that. You can have churches without Jesus. And the church has no light to show. The light comes from Jesus. This is the message we have heard from him. Declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Suddenly light and truth are brought together. Now when you come to verse 7 and say it becomes even more clear. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So the first concept about what composes light is truth. In First Timothy 2.15, the Bible makes it very clear over there that conduct yourself in the house of God. Yeah, 3.15, yeah. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So the first component is truth. Okay. But truth alone is not enough. If you come to Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So the second component is love and the third component is faith. 1 Timothy 2, 7. 2, 7. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying a teacher of Gentiles in faith and truth. We need to have these three components to be a light. The Ephesus church is indicted because they had truth but they had no love and therefore it still refused to be a light to the world. It could not become a light. Okay, A church can have both truth and love but actually do not have faith. Individual too. Truth and love, but does not have faith. Faith and truth are not the same. Faith is always action. Always action. Okay, so you can have truth, the doctrines which are absolutely correct. You can have incredible love, but you really do not have faith to trust God and to take those decisions. Okay, so the Bible is talking about when Christ is in the middle of a church, when the light of Christ comes, all these three components are there. If you look at Jesus, he's full of truth, he's full of love, and he's full of faith. That's what it is talking about. Okay, And you will see, in each of the letters you will see, Jesus is personally present among the churches. And he had already said when you gather even today, if you really believe, even if you really believe that. That is why I get irritated when people come late. I mean, or people go out inside when the worship is going on because it's total disrespect to Jesus. Not to me. Not even to Peter. Peter doesn't even know. But if you really believe that when we gather here, Jesus comes. It's an absolute distress. We are already telling him that something more, something else is more important in my life. And nothing can be more important in life than Jesus. 
We have to be careful about these things because, you know, the person to whom we are showing disrespect is not the person who walked 2,000 years ago. We are seeing a completely different revelation of Jesus Christ that the person who was closest to him falls at his feet like one dead. That's a revelation of Jesus Christ. He is not the young man with blue eyes as movie show who walked on earth. His hair is white as snow. His eyes are like fire. His feet is like burnished brass. And we do. That's why I said the book of Revelation is a very dangerous book because you see Jesus as he really is loving, merciful and absolutely tough. Okay, And these are things which we have to make a decision that I'm going for any service, I'm going to be there on time or I'm not going. I will not disrespect his presence. And when the worship is going on, I'm part of the worship. Because who are we worshipping? We are worshipping. These are things which we have to, this is, that's what I said, it's a mindset. It's a mindset matters with God. Otherwise, you know what? We will come, we will hear, we will forget before we go. And God himself will see we forget. Because he says, it was about me. You were not interested in me. And we have to be serious about these things. I'm telling you, very, very serious. Because we don't know the timeline. Everybody wants to know the timeline. But the problem, the issue is that even if you know the exact timeline, it doesn't make any difference unless we know Christ. Because the timeline is connected with him. It is when he is coming, what he is going to do. It's not got to do with the time. It's got to do with him. Okay, so we see going back to 12 and 13. We'll focus on 12 and 13. Okay, because we, we saw in the church in Ephesus when a church refuses to be a light. His warning is, I will remove the lampstand. The church in Ephesus. And that is the first church. And it's actually, I don't think in Hyderabad you can find a church like that. The excellent church. Fantastic church. And he says, I will remove the lampstand. Okay, and we, we cease being the light. A lamp is not a light in itself. Please understand. It is only an instrument for dispensing light. That is why it is written, I saw him in the midst. He is the one who is dispensing the light to the lamps. It must both receive before it first receive, before it can give. It has to receive the oil and it has to receive the fire. Meaning no church in itself has either the grace or the glory. It has to receive everything from Jesus. That is why Jesus is the head, is the head. And that's what he's talking. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Son of Man is a term which we see in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. We see almost a similar scenario in the book of Revelation too. So here he is the son of man. He's called the son of man and he's also the son of God. Okay. So we need to realize on the cross who died was his humanity. His deity never died. His deity never died. It is humanity that died. In Revelation 14, 14, you will see it is again used, that term is used. 
Then I looked, behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man. In John chapter 5, 26 and 27, Jesus himself, often, one, I'm just giving one example, often. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in him. Self. But here, you, these two terms are used, the son of the father. He has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Okay, so we need to understand, because he is the son of man, he executes judgment. And therefore, the first thing he sees about him is, he sees him as the son of man. And from there, actually, what you see is he is executing judgment on man, on man. And then when you come back, when you come back over there, you will see him. Okay, when you come back over there, you will see him. Yeah. Clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a, a golden band. We, we were not going into the details, but if you look into the book of Exodus uh, 28, 39 and all, you have the garments of the high priest the garments of the high priest. So you will see him. But in here, what you see is that two things we can assume. One, he's, he's covered till his feet. That's how the high priest was. Full covering represents sin, sinlessness or purity. Because in another place to one of the churches, you are told about, watch your garments lest you are found naked. And you will see he's not naked. He's covered from top to bottom because he's absolutely sinless and pure. You need to realize when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they were aware of was their nakedness. First thing they were aware of is nakedness. So here it is written. That's why, why are this fine deal? You'll say, what difference does it make to me if he's got a garment from head to feet? He's fully covered because it is telling to us, these are symbols. What is the symbol? Here is the son of man who came through as man, as of atonement, and he is perfect, and he is sinless. It's sinless. All the Old Testament things were pointing to Jesus Christ. Okay. Another thing which you need to understand, if you understand Old Covenant, and if you understand contemporary Jewish and the ancient Jewish culture, and any culture, you will see those who wore long garments, did not usually do menial work. They did not. They wore short garments up to your knees to be free to do your work. So it's the royalty that wore nobles and royalty who wore long garments. So he is a sinless priest and he is also royal. If you come to Exodus chapter 39, talking about the golden band. 39, 1 to 3. 1 to 3. This is Aaron's garment. Of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, they made garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place and the holy garments for Aaron as Lord had commanded Moses. He made the effort of gold, blue, purple, scarlet thread, and fine woven linen. They beat the gold into thin sheets, cut it into threads to work in with blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen into artistic design. In Aaron's dress, there were threads of gold. But Jesus is wearing a full band of gold. That's the difference. The Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood. But the difference with the Aaronic priesthood was it was just a priesthood. There was no royalty there. 
But when the word priest is first mentioned in the Bible, it is mentioned not with Aaron, it's mentioned with Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 18. So we understand what, why this dress is itself a symbol. Then Melchizedek, who is the king of Salem, brought up bread and wine and he was the, he was both king and priest. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 5 verse 6, 5 verse 6, he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And 7.15 and 7.17, Hebrews, Hebrews. And it is far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there rises another priest. And he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So when Jesus is standing, though there are similarities, he is also dissimilar from the priest of the old covenant because the old covenant priest was just a priest. But Jesus is more than a priest. He is the high priest and he is the king. And one of the duties of the priest in the old covenant was to take care of the lampstand. Every day he had to clean the suit, turn the wicks, fill the oil, and keep the fire going. And suddenly the lampstand changes. It becomes the churches. And here is the high priest, Jesus, carefully inspecting the lamps, the churches. He's helping, trimming, so that the churches would burn brighter. Because the only purpose of the lamp is to show light. Right? Like I said, Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, the golden band, not only represents the high priest, okay? I lifted my eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with the gold of Upas. Okay, his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes were like torches. So he also sees, and you will see, it was just not the high priest, but also the king has the golden Band reveals both priestly and kingly offices. You see the book of Isaiah, you book the Job, book of Job. I'll give you the references, Isaiah 22, 21, Job 12, 18. You will see it is not talking about a priest. It is talking about a king. Okay? It is talking about a king. So the garment itself shows the unity in the new covenant office of both high priest and of king as prophesied by the prophet Zechariah in chapter 6, 12 and 13. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man, okay, the man, Jesus, whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord, he shall bear the glory. He shall sit and rule on his throne, and he shall be a priest on his throne. So this is where in Zechariah, you see in the old covenant, it is already being brought together. The priest and the kingship will come together on one throne. And when John sees, he's seeing a fulfillment of that prophecy. Christ is the fulfillment of the prophecy where he replaces the entire Aaronic line and fulfill the promise made to David. That he will have a king. So you have to, a merging of this both. And when it comes to priesthood, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. Priesthood. Okay. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren. 
that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest. Two qualities. The priest had to be merciful and he had to be faithful. I think it was an old Scottish preacher who gave an example of a father who told his two sons to take two pigs to the to the market to be sold. The first fellow, uh, before the market closed, the first fellow beat the pig all the way to the market, reached before time and sold the pig. The second one gave the pig all the time it wanted and reached the market after the market was closed. So the first one was faithful, but he was not merciful. The second one was merciful, but he was not faithful. But Jesus is both faithful and merciful. So we have a high priest who is both merciful and faithful. And coming to the final verse for today, Mark chapter 2. 10 and 11. Okay, we'll just do two verses today. But you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your beds. A priest could be merciful and faithful, but only the king had the authority. So he sees him as the Son of Man, but his dress shows he's both priest as king. As priest, he is both merciful and as faithful. But as king, he exercises authority and forgives us of our sins. Okay, so these visions are very powerful, very, very powerful. Even as I start working on the book of Revelation, once again, after so many years, I'm realizing, what did I teach then? <laughs> did I have Revelation? And it's such a powerful book, such a powerful book that you start wondering at the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? So we will read those two verses and we will go to prayer. 12 and 13. Then I turned. Earlier he had heard a voice behind him loud like a trumpet. Then he turned to see the voice. Now he's looking at the person from whom the voice comes that spoke with me. Having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands in the midst of seven lampstands, in the midst of the church. So you always have to think, right? In the midst of the church, there is Jesus. And if Jesus like, no, whether two or three gather in my name, I'll be in their midst. When he comes, what does he do? He dispenses the light. And we just reflect it. We just reflect it. We are just reflectors. You know, like in science, you have a, you have a term, no? The best reflector. There are some objects which absorbs everything. And reflects very little. But there is something which is what I don't know if I forgot the term. It reflects everything back. Everything back. Okay. And that's what the church is supposed to be. Because in ourselves, we have no truth. We have no faith. We have no love. He's all truth. He's all author and finisher of our faith. And we love him because he first loved us. Okay, And when he comes into our midst, he's inspecting us to see where we fall short of his truth, where we lack love, and where we lack faith. Primarily, we are inspected on these three things. These three things. Truth, love, and faith. Or faith, 
love and truth. Whichever order you want to have. These are the three things he comes and more we go through, go grow in these three, we actually become good reflectors of Jesus Christ. In him was life. Remember, these three things put together makes the new man's life. You shall live by faith. You shall walk in truth. You shall walk in love. This is the new man. This is the new man. That is the life of Christ. In him was life. That life was the light of man. In short, when Jesus is coming into our midst, he's only checking to see how much of his life is there in us. Because we don't have life. He came to give us life. So we will have Peter back and then we shall pray. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, who ever leaves and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can beat me thence depart. No tongue can beat me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within of what I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin because the sinless Savior died my sinful soul is counted free for God the justice satisfied to look on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One in himself I cannot die My soul is purchased by his blood My life is here with Christ on high With Christ my Savior and my God With Christ my Savior and my God
silver and a dime. My soul is purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. You are in our midst, because you are faithful. Even when we are unfaithful. If you said, we gather in your name, you will come, you will come. That's who you are. Faithful God. These six months, Lord, we have come through. If we look back into that six months, we should not have come through. We were not faithful. We didn't obey. We didn't walk the way you wanted us to walk. Neither in truth, in faith, or love. But we are here at the end of the sixth month. Because you are faithful. You are a faithful priest. You are a merciful priest. Because you know us, what we are. Like grass in the field, here today, gone tomorrow. Merciful. Faithful. You're not just faithful and merciful. You're all powerful. All authority and power in heaven and on earth has been given to you. It's in your hands. Not in the devil's hands. Not with any king or prime minister or president. It's with you. That is the revelation in the book of Revelation who Jesus is. Crowned with many crowns, with all power and all authority, who destroys his enemy with the word of his mouth. Help us to see you as you really are, so that we may see who we are in you. Because the devil, these last days, deceives people, depress people, discourage people. The spirit of death hovering over God's people because they do not see who Jesus is. Who has triumphed over death and sickness and every power of darkness. Truly Lord, this book is a revelation of Jesus Christ. With the meekness of the Lamb. and power of a lion yet is the son of man girded with garments pure sinless perfection which we never can be but you became for us help us every day Lord to calibrate coordinate our lives around Jesus He's the center. He's the wheel within the wheel. Because if we change the center, our lives will start falling apart. At every day, Lord, another half year is beginning tomorrow. Help us to recalibrate ourselves again so that you are at the center, Lord. That this is not about us. This is about you. And when we find you, then only we will know who we are. 
you as king, as Lord, as Savior. So this morning I come into your church. All your children, offline, online, help us to lift up our eyes and look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the very soon coming King. That is the end of all trouble. When you come to take over, and the church should be hastening your coming and not delaying. Everything we are concerned about, even now, even today, would have no meaning if you were to come now. Lord, yes. Nothing would matter. Nothing would matter. The only thing would matter is, am I saved? Are my loved ones saved? Nothing else would matter. Everything we worry about, everything we are anxious about. And you told us that is how you are called to love. That day and hour, no man knows. Therefore, what I tell you, I tell everyone. Watch, 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 and pray. Jesus, Jesus. This morning, Father, Jesus. even as we pray, help us to be watchful. Jesus, Jesus, not to be consumed by the cares of life. Yes, my God, yes. Oh, Touch your children out there, Lord. Yes. Each one, many not well. But this is, is temporary. What you offer is eternal. We will not be bound by the temporal, but by the eternal. Yes. Speak healing in the Judge Sharon's body in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of infirmity in everyone who is listening now. The spirit of infirmity, whichever way it has come, Sent or received, I bind it in the name of Jesus, and I command it to leave in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank Once you, again, thank we thank you, Lord. Thank, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, thank you, your loving kindness and your power that was manifested in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank we didn't thank you. see. But you protected us yes, every you did. Yes, moment you did. of every yes, you did, day. Father. You took care of us. You yes, brought you us through. Did. Thank yes, you, Father. You, did. You, did. you were you both did. king you and did. priest in our lives. Yes, my God. You Second half, I come with the whole church in the yes, my God. Yes. Lord, be with each one. Go before us. Order our footsteps, O oh Lord, that we may walk in the ways you have laid out for each one. We believe. We trust. A faithful God. Yes, Lord. Will come to complete what he has begun. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Come in the rest of the day into thy hands. Yes, Lord. Be with us, O oh Lord. Once again, we bless your holy name. Bless your name. We bless, bless your, your holy name. name. We bless your, we name. Bless your we bless holy your name. name. And we declare in thy house, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.